0: Trey did something to me that Dan Campbell could not do to Detroit Lion fans. That is give them good news right before we signed on the air, no less. But oh. you'll have to wait to listen to the front stretch happy hour podcast or maybe even whenever he makes a cameo on Bringing the Heat uh, for more on that because... That's a little into the weeds, and we're not going to start
1: off. I think we got like two weeks till we have to do an episode. I
0: I, I guess so, but the NASCAR clash at the Coliseum is this coming Sunday, which, for the record, Trey, I will be more engaged with that event than I will with the Pro Bowl, which you can hear, of course, on the CBS Sports Radio. Well, we haven't got any
1: info about airing the Pro Bowl yet, so we will probably air it. But Uh, I I need some info about it
0: first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, The... Westwood One has done a phenomenal job getting the NFL playoff games. If they want to totally punt on a game that I don't think there is any punting, the Pro Bowl. No, because it's a flag football game. I mean, I didn't even, I'll be honest. I don't even know what it is. I gave up watching the thing years ago. But that's because we got great action like yesterday. And the AFC Championship game was an example of what I think is worse Coaching malpractice, as our guy Michael Lombardi, GM Shuffle podcast host and friend of ours here in the Fastlane, lane, especially because of his work with the Daily Coach. As Michael Lombardi would say, "Coaching malpractice." I, like I don't know what's worse, Trey. Oh, it's what, what the it Ravens did? did. It's the Ravens' lack of adjustments on two fronts. One, because they ran the ball what like six times yesterday. Yes, that is atrocious. When you're going against a Kansas City team, that strength you know, is the secondary. Where the strength is the secondary, but not only that, their other strength defensively in the front seven is getting after the quarterback and slowing that down. But you can run the ball on them.
1: I'm actually shocked by this because I thought you – I honestly – so I, did, I knew – I looked at the lineup just to see who was coming on for covering the Commonwealth. I thought you would go in on Dan, Dan Campbell's decisions because I personally think if you're Dan Campbell, you you kind of have to do what you got you there. And to his credit – he has never changed with his aggression on fourth down. Like the only fourth down I question is the one that would tie it, like the kick to tie it. But ultimately, you think about this: is your defense is the weakness, and the San Francisco is carving it up. You need touchdowns, so be
0: aggressive. So, so I get your point on that, but it's, I'll brush back. Dan Campbell, they go for a touchdown in a spot where. You could have gone up by three points, twice no less. The biggest one was in the second half.
1: Could have gone up back up 17. When you could
0: have gone back up 17. You're up 17 at the break. You, the, the Niners cut it on a field goal to start the second half, 24-10. Lions are marching down the field. They go for it on fourth down and do not get it. And San Francisco gets the ball back, down two touchdowns, but well within range, knowing the quick strike capability of this offense. And you know, a f- couple of minutes later, this happened, as you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. It's third and goal at the six of Detroit. In the shotgun pretty, receivers in tight. Shotgun snap, four-man rush, moves to the right, throws a line drive pass, caught, leaping catch, touchdown,
1: back in the end zone, Ayuk... Nine yards deep in the middle. Six-yard touchdown pass by quarterback Brock Purdy of San Francisco. Late in the third has just brought the San Francisco
0: 49ers to within a 24-16 reach of the Lions. That was Kevin Harlan, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app from Westwood 1. I
1: will say this. There were two freak plays that kind of got, you know, ultimately gave San Francisco the entire like if the db catches the football it's a pick <laughs> and, and this is a different game and then you know the fumble and i that's it, football i mean it's football i'm not trying to discredit what the 49ers did so I, I think hindsight's everything but like i'm okay with it i'm more okay with what the what happened to the lions because ultimately the better team won San Francisco was the better team all year. They won the football game.
0: I, 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 and, I 100% agree and with that They
1: part. They stayed with their identity, which has been Dan Campbell's identity since he got to Detroit, was I believe in my players. I want my players to execute. And if they execute the plays, expect that fourth down before the big play to Iuke, which was off the defender's face, if Josh Reynolds catches the football— that play doesn't happen. Like he dropped it, like a clear drop.
0: So I, I'm not, I'm not going to vehemently criticize your, your points. I, I, I would have kicked the field goal in both situations because you're playing that margins game. And the, the one that, when it's 24 to 10, the reason why I would have kicked it is you go back up three schools. No, up, I get well, it. Well, it's, it's the margin for errors principle, and, and I 100% understand. Do what got you here in this particular situation, but also understand the, the, the Lions have been outgained. A number of times this entire year, including in the postseason, they have struggled at times to slow down other offenses once they've gotten going. And those offenses are not as potent as this offense. So it's the theory of margin for error. 27-10 to 10 means, let's just say the IU touchdown happens. It's 27-17. Well, the next drive, when it's 24-17 Detroit, this happened, as you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app from Westwood One. First and ten under center, the quarterback off from his own 25. Spins, ball jarred free, and a handoff to Gibbs. It's loose. It's a fumble. The Niners have recovered. The Niners have recovered at the 24-yard line on a rugged hit on the rookie running back, Gibbs. Armstead got it. Oh, how this game is turned. Oh, it definitely did on that point because at that point, the Niners get the ball on the fumble recovery, march back down the field, Christian McCaffrey touchdown, makes it 24-all, and at that point, it was obvious the momentum was firmly on the hands of the 49ers. But I, I, I disagree with the idea of going for it as opposed to kicking field goals, field goals from Dan Campbell. But I'm not going to roast him nearly as much for that. I understand it. I disagree with it. The one that got me was, he. you're the head coach. And if I'm the Washington Commanders, I am more leery now of Ben Johnson for not understanding situational awareness in football. Because Johnson, you know, uh, before the weekend's you're games talking about took the place, third and goal
1: where they had ran it and had time timeout.
0: They ran it less than a minute to go. Let's do some basic math here. The play clock is 40 seconds. 40 seconds. A minute, 20 seconds. Two minutes. It's why when Kansas City got the first down with 2:15 or whatever it was on that pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling where Baltimore had no timeouts Kansas City you let the clock go to the two minute warning and the time it takes to snap and kneel the ball three times is 42 seconds per snap and kneel and when you have you know that add that up that's two minutes and six seconds and there's two minutes on the game clock the game is over that's the one that gets me you're Dan Campbell you have to interject to Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator and say no we're not running the ball here because if we don't get it we have to burn a timeout and if we do that all of a sudden, we have to go for the onside kick. There's a, a minimal probability of getting this. And then at that point, the game is essentially over because there's 50-some seconds left in the game. And by the time we run a fourth down play, there's going to be even less time. When, by the way, you could have kicked the field goal. And no, I'm not bitter about the backdoor cover. It was a good weekend for me from a sports betting standpoint, not just tennis. Hey, but, uh, man, but uh, the Trey was up. very happy Trey, about that backdoor cover. Trey, I know you were. <laughs> and I'm not bitter about that. Because Trey
1: had a parlay of the Chiefs and Lions covering both games, and it hit.
0: Well, congratulations to you, Trey. My Niners two and a half to one to win the NFC came home. and My Lions nice money line,
1: my money, my sprinkle on my, the Lions money line looked really good at halftime.
0: <laughs> yes, it did. But here, here's the funny thing, though, about that. You have to know situational awareness. And that's the one that's the cardinal sin, because you basically... You move your you move your pieces into checkmate. You checkmated yourself in the game by running the football. As a head coach, it's understanding situational awareness, and I don't think Kyle Shanahan quite grasped that. We can look more into this when we actually it's look okay, ahead to the Super Bowl. Lose the Super Bowl. I, by the way, I've already hedged. Um, I'm locking in a profit. I don't trust the Niners a ton. If I middle it, fantastic. It's more just I uh, wanted uh, to get something. People out of it. again,
1: just just
0: do not bet against. 15 that's what i learned like, well, it's, come it's, on it's, not, it's <laughs> not just mahomes though it's andy Reid combined with mahomes yeah because they called they set up a game and plan specs. yesterday and spagnolo to control lamar jackson to understand what it takes and that meant a heavier workload for this guy oh you'll hear plenty more about him and if you just want to hear about him as opposed to actually seeing everything about him and everyone around him you can enjoy highlights like this his first touchdown catch of the day yesterday his only touchdown catch of the day yesterday to go up 7 nothing against Kansas City. First and 10 from the Baltimore 19, shotgun Mahomes, pump and throw to the end zone. Handled by Kelsey for the touchdown. A rocket to the right side and the Chiefs strike first, 19 yards. And it's that combination once again. Mahomes to Kelsey to get on the board first. As you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app from Westwood One in the whole Super Bowl, I mean,
1: you keep you keep you know you keep betting against the Chiefs. You're going to find that
0: karma's real when it comes to them. They know how to figure it out, and I know how you love to use those analogies, Trey. They're, they're, good job, that, good job. You picked up I, on it. I, I, I very much did. Even I'm becoming educated about yeah. what this matchup you means. More I'm, on that in a moment. I'm Trey. proud. I'm proud of you. But see, here's the thing. The Chiefs kept feeding Travis Kelsey. They understood the game plan was fairly simple. Play good defense. Dare Kansas City to throw the ball. Somehow they kept throwing the ball as opposed to running the ball. Only six called runs for for Baltimore. Inexplicable how you don't do that when run defense is a weakness of the Chiefs, pass defense is their strength, You can run the ball, and it sets up your pass game, and that's how Baltimore's offense has almost always operated with Lamar Jackson, and they don't do it. Head coach John Harbaugh, great as he's been, did not win the day yesterday. It was Reed who understood as undisciplined as he can be when it comes to running the football. As a bitter Philadelphia fan, I remember plenty of times where he'd go like 35 consecutive passes in the call in a game, and you're like, dude, what are you doing here? not yesterday it was run the ball with isaiah pacheco it was play action pass it was let mahomes make plays and it was constantly feeding travis kelsey to the point where he broke jerry rice's receiving record for the nfl playoffs it's going to be third and nine for the chiefs ball control it's all kc from the 21 shotgun mahomes he will toss it to the near side caught by kelsey travis kelsey thinks he has enough for the first down and that is the record for Kelsey, the most postseason receptions all-time, passing Jerry Rice. Jason, as we prepare for this game, you said one thing to me. You said Baltimore cannot stay in a lot of zone defense because Kelsey will find the spots. And that's what Kelsey has done this whole half. He continues to find open spots in the zone. That was the comment, the last part, and that's why we played it from Devin McCourty, Westwood 1-1 nfl analyst as you heard on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app but that was the comment about baltimore continuing to stay in zone defense dude they were totally outcoached yesterday they never made adjustments defensively they didn't make adjustments offensively they didn't realize what the game plan was going and once again they failed to maximize an opportunity when everyone said rightfully so this kansas city chiefs team is down now Mahomes gets more lethal with his mind, and his body is still in great shape. And there's about a five to six year window coming up where he's in peak mental and physical condition. Then the physical start stuff will start to go down, and he'll have to win with his mind, similar to the way Tom Brady did at the back half of his career. But he's in that narrow point where you know you have a very narrow cross. Sometimes your physical peak is strong, but you're not mentally there. Then at some point, you crescendo where both of them are at the top, and then the mental peak continues to go up, and the physical skills go down. We're not quite there. We're at the peak of both for Patrick Mahomes. And you use that To make plays, to feed Travis Kelsey, to run the football, to play good defense. It sounds simple and vanilla, and it is relative to what the Chiefs have been. But it's gotten to the point where they win. And they win a lot, and it allows them to win. And part of those key ingredients are, yes, Travis Kelsey. And yes, this means we're going to get a Super Bowl that the NFL really, really wanted. And don't give me this, well, the officiating and the Baltimore screwed themselves over when it came to the officiating. Zay Flowers, oh, don't even get me started on bad beats. More on that uh, later this week. But, Zay Flowers, he costs them. You get a first down, right? And guess what happens? You get a first down and 10 inside the 20 of Kansas City, in the red zone. And you spike the ball at the guy. I think it was first and goal. And you taunt him. It was. It was first and goal from, I believe, at 10. And it backed it up to the 25-yard line. And they had to settle for a Justin Tucker field goal. They get it, but they never get the ball back after that three versus seven, the time it took off the clock, all of those factors that were a real problem. And so, Kansas City deservedly gets the win. They did a lot of the little things right. No one ever wants to talk about that, about how all the little things can add up. But sometimes, Trey, stop me if you've ever heard this phrase before, attention to detail. Yes, that's a big one here at the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Maybe for myself, of course. Uh, But... Trey's going, like, really, just maybe? Uh, it is definitively <laughs> one of my favorite phrases. No comment. <laughs> it is. So now we have this matchup. Kansas City, Baltimore in the Super Bowl. The first ever playoff
1: game inside this stadium because the Raiders have made the playoffs as Vegas Raiders, but it was they were on the road. So how about that for interesting fact?
0: And whether you like it or not, we are going to get Taylor Swift mania. Maybe. We've already gotten it. Oh, it's going to happen. Have you followed out much? Because Kansas City for two of their three yeah. playoff games.
1: Yeah, people acting like she would take like a you know United Airways flight or whatever it is from her concert
0: in Tokyo. Yeah, it's not
1: like she's like <laughs> the richest woman on the planet and could she, just get a private jet.
0: She has her own it's private doable. jet. It's
1: doable. Like I like how instantly the math came out for her to fly there, which she could.
0: Oh, 100%. They, I, people actually charted it. I think she's got a concert
1: five. in Tokyo, and then the next day she's got – or not the next day, the day after the Super Bowl, she has uh, a concert in Australia. And the way the time difference works between Tokyo, it's like, what, 16 hours ahead? She'll, she'll fly back and have enough – like, basically, she'll get back in Vegas like 8 a.m. And by the time the Super Bowl's over, it'll be enough time the next day in Australia for her to make the con- – it's can yeah
0: whatever she can afford to do it she's basically it compensated and she'll figure it out so taylor swift will be at this and if you're wondering why there's the impact Probably. of this here's why alex sherman cnbc richard deitch of the athletic on the richard deitch sports media podcast had this to say about the impact of taylor swift on the super bowl viewership
1: yeah i think it's a couple million chad in all honesty, and I don't think there would be any other human being on earth I may say that about. What about you, Alex? I think it's absolutely a couple million and probably would be significantly more for the Super Bowl.
0: A couple million and more for the Super Bowl. We've already seen the NFL gain viewers and listeners, of course, as we can tell from our Virginia Talk Radio Network metrics. Smooth. From the CBS Sports Radio per gap. But they've already gained and it they will continue generated, to generate it
1: generated the number is 331 million dollars of extra revenue for the NFL and his partners for having Taylor like for a league that clearly needs she it. is the she is the biggest pop star on the planet arguably the biggest pop star in the history of music and that's like insane to think about and you know i it, I guess the Eagles conspiracy didn't work out where, you know, she was inside doing an inside job for the Eagles because the Eagles couldn't hold up their end. hey oh. But, uh, you know, honestly, people are talking about Taylor Swift. I know why I'm excited to see those shots, to see the shirtless Jason Kelsey behind her partying hard. I mean, come on. Let's be real here.
0: Trey, you are, but if you want to avoid having to see All the shots and hear all the commentary of Taylor Swift, who will in all likelihood be at Super Bowl 58 a little under two weeks from now. Don't worry. Just keep it locked to your favorite Virginia Talk Radio Network spoken word format station starting at 2 p.m. Super Bowl Sunday. We will have the Super Bowl for you, including on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Other topics to address right now. No more Swifty stuff. College basketball action you missed this weekend in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Liberty Flames adding Coastal Carolina wide receiver Tyson Mobley, who is expected to be available for spring practice. So here's where he comes in. I'll be honest the initial size doesn't seem to fit what liberty would do at wide receiver six foot 180 pounds for a very run heavy offense where the receivers are asked to block a lot in space but mobley was at coastal carolina his most productive years were with jamie chadwell and he also has been a very efficient punt returner for them of course, 2022, last year with Chadwell at Coastal, Mobley played in all 13 games, started 11 of them, 40 catches, 490 yards, and five touchdowns. He is a great complimentary piece for the Liberty Flames for Tyson Mobley. We know C.J. Daniels gone to LSU, no shock there, no problem with that. But Liberty still with another set of wide receivers, including Smoot as the lead leading returner, Elijah Smoot, that they can rely on but it's a run-heavy offense and you've got somebody who knows what is expected out of him which is why i would be less skeptical than many other people might be number four speaking of the liberty flames boy he was not very pleased over the weekend richie mckay not pleased at the outcome kind of frustrated at the uh, officiating that he didn't seem to think was as even as he would have liked but here's the thing So Liberty loses at Jacksonville State 73 to 62. And they get swept by Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks doing that to the Flames in their first years in CUSA. Because remember, Jacksonville State, they were also there last year. Uh, Multiple truths can exist. I think it's obvious looking at this Liberty team right now. The overall cumulative athleticism for them is not what it probably needs to be going forward. Now, they've got three players that are redshirting. They've got another that's a younger player that's Shire that hasn't played a lot so far this year. He's got some skill, but they haven't brought him along and done much. There are a lot of good, viable pieces, but remember, they're going to lose a couple of guys off the scholarship. Roster and Kyle Road and Shiloh Robinson, who have been great role players, great contributors, and been able—they've really done a good job setting up the culture. But there is an opportunity to remake the roster, but you can't do that going forward. Here's where I'll go a step further for Liberty. Multiple times they cut this to a one-possession game, including 62 to 60. Kyle Road goes in, misses a layup. Jacksonville State gets it, turns it into points, extends the lead, and it was never a threat from there on out obviously is based on a 62 60 game turning into a 73 62 final so an 11 11 to 2 run over the back half um that what i would agree with was kind of inconsistent officiating and the physicality of the matchup uh was maybe more than anybody around the programs would have liked the reality is that's something for Liberty that you're probably not going to get in a neutral site venue, which is good news for them going forward. Number three. College basketball on the women's side this past weekend. For Virginia Tech, Liz Kitley was off yesterday, yet they still found a way to go up to Syracuse. Tricky situation, and they got a good road victory. Good for Virginia Tech to go on the road at Syracuse and to get that win. Helps and it- when you have two all-americans yeah I was, it helps when you have georgia amore back so that two when, of the top 20 players in the country when liz kitley one of the top 20 players in the country is not having a good game and amore is back you can rely on her and the virginia tech lady Hokies did just that meanwhile to the the, the lady cavaliers of virginia that was a good win more on that tomorrow in the fast lane but I loved it I like the message of coach Mox. the fact that she's holding her players accountable and is very hard on them love the fact that there seems to be buy-in especially from the leaders on this team wanting the hard coaching and now again proof of concept that sometimes you can demand that and your players back it up with effort that is a good thing in an era where repeat after me it's hard to instill good culture Speaking of culture or no culture, number two, you could easily argue that there is no culture at Louisville right now. The Virginia Cavaliers. Trey, I think our call of the weekend collectively was, how in the world would the Louisville Cardinals find a way to get to 60 points to make it a a, a spot where the over could have cashed at 129? We never saw that path. And guess what? Louisville got to 52, and that's only because Virginia let off the gas late in this game. 41 to 13 was the halftime score Kenny Payne somehow still has a job again I'm not advocating people be fired but it is clear that this He's guy is duck. he is way in over his head but for Virginia you come out and you do what you're supposed to do this is not a oh my god look at us we're six and three and we can count that in the ACC and we can count this as one of our good wins um no you didn't lose, that's what you're supposed to do, but you did take care of business, and how you won is a positive if you're a Virginia fan. And number one on the Fast Five at five ish. A little two and one because there is a big Monday contest at 6 30 p.m. tonight on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Duke at Virginia Tech. Hokies. Similar against a better team, Georgia Tech's—you know—they're a program I think trending in the right direction with Damon Stoudamire. And I am generally skeptical when you're in a spot where player, coach, former players in the NBA are now at coaches. But I don't dispute Georgia Tech. You just—you're kind of seeing the limitations to them.
1: Yeah, and Dave, i will say to Damon Stoudamire's credit, he had sat on the bench with, you know, Brad Stevens for a while, and we know how well Brad Stevens can coach a college basketball team.
0: Yeah, and where that goes in is. Georgia Tech will give teams fits in the ACC. But they're not going to win a lot of games, and especially on the road. To Virginia Tech's credit, they jumped out early. Louisville shot less than 30% in the first half. Virginia Tech led by 20-ish at halftime, and it turned out to a 16-point lead. But they led by as many as 24, which was the final margin. And even when Georgia Tech cut it to 7 at one point in the second half, they never really threatened. And that's why Virginia Tech was able to win that game. I do have my doubts tonight, but Duke has not been a very good road team. They lost at Georgia Tech. I know it was on the road, but they've lost at Georgia Tech. They barely beat Clemson. A lot of pieces are there, but they seem to have rushed Jeremy Roach back because they sense the urgency of having him in the lineup. And that's been a house of horrors for the Blue Devils in prior years, going to Castle Coliseum, which they will do tonight starting at 630 on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return here in the Fast Lane, more on that matchup with David Cunningham of TechSideline.com after JerryRatcliffe.com on UVA and before Alan York on the Liberty Flames. All of that's still to come. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.